Hey, uh, just was wondering, is this uh, an out-of-season April Fool's joke? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fully... Uh, fully-fledged uh, Diablo experience on, on mobile, which everybody will get to play. Is there any plans to make this playable on PC, or is this strictly mobile forever? Uh, are there any... Uh, yeah, this, this, the current plan is to be on mobile, both uh, Android and iOS. Uh, we don't have any plans at the moment to do uh, PC. Do you guys not have phones? Yeah, you guys all have phones. Phone, right? Welcome back to Furidashi Pod. I am your host, Lauren Ash, here with the lovely Nicholas. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. Now, we are super excited to be back with you guys today, and we wanted to say somewhat topical and actually look at all of the recent developments that have been happening in the Twitterverse, but also in the larger internet as well. Yeah. Um, I just recently discovered that apparently 4% of content or like 25% of content is made from 25% of people, which only responds, only reflects to about 4% of the total cultural bandwidth. And I'm bringing up those statistics because one, statistics are fun and totally made up. Okay. Um, and two, uh, that was a real article. So go and look at it because when you look at <laughs> this Twitter, is a very real article. It was a real article. Is... <laughs> yeah, no, because when you look at these things and we look at okay. Twitter, I feel like so much has happened in the past couple of weeks, or at least in January of 2022. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in you know going into February now, that it, it's almost too much to keep up with. The joke yes. is there's so much that happens on Twitter. Like every single day, that what is game dev discourse talking about now, right? Well, so, wasn't there just a too much thing today about like how there's too many indie games? I was seeing that a lot on Twitter. Well, it was it was between too many indie games on Twitter today, yeah, and it was yeah. also about asset reuse. Like this person oh, was yeah, so yeah, complaining yeah, yeah, about, yeah, oh, yeah, they're charging yeah. so many dollars and they're using the same assets and animations, and I'm like, yeah, so that they could make more content <laughs> for the new awesome title that's released. Like, Great. sorry. So, you guys out so you Fudidashi listeners might not be aware of this, but when you make a game that has two hundred hours of content, um, they reuse assets. It's a thing that happens because Well, it wasn't can... just reusing it in <laughs> yeah, the no, single was... game. Yeah, it was yeah, reusing it, was using it in it a in a second yeah, game, no. but this is yeah, in multiple games. Yeah, this is the first time I really have ever had that argument come to the front, at least of my Twitter feed. So I'm grateful for that. But it's <laughs> also looking at right. Um, you know, the the great Blizzard takeover, which is short yeah, for yeah. Activision Blizzard. Um, also, the stuff that's going on with Raven. Um, and there's also, I mean, there's just so many things to talk about today. Yes. So we wanted to kind of encapsulate that and then also kind of lead into how this made us think about, 
you know, monopolies in game development where one yes. company is kind of owning all of the companies. And how does that really or does that not really work, right, in the actual platform and publisher relationship? What yeah, does that yeah. look like for platform economies? And so then I've kind of given a brief intro. We're going to have Nicholas kind of just dive right in with his, like, <laughs> shotgun weapon, <laughs> whatever that yeah, sound so effect I is. and. Yeah, so I, I wanted to rant about something that that happened today because, I mean, so previously it's worth noting that we did a pre an earlier episode in which we talked about the um the epic uh Apple lawsuit that that, that was a little while back that was back yeah in the Apple I think the Apple lawsuit um and in that one we focused more on sort of like macroeconomic issues and I think I ended up talking about Marx the way I always do. But I actually kind of wanted to talk about the way in which this sort of like monopolization and also sort of like the shift towards like companies being both like horizontally and vertically vertically integrated at the same time just creates a really miserable player experience. Like, I, I'm sorry. So, OK, specifically Microsoft. So Microsoft, is, as we all know, has recently decided to purchase Activision Blizzard for a jabillion dollars, I think it was 69, 69 million billion dollars. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, <laughs> the number, uh, he said the number. No, anyway, anyway, for a, for a really a lot of money. Um, and it's likely that our dear friend Robert Kodak will be on the way out, although... Um, I think his friends call him Bobby. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Kodak. Because he's such a Bobby. Bobby, anyway. I mean, every so like all of the press releases say that he's going to stick around, but it's like, yeah, well, sure, okay. So legally, I think he actually will need to stick around for at least another year, like legally. Yeah, to finish the, of, to finish the deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to finish the deal, right? Yeah. Like that's just unfortunately laws, America. <laughs> but so, but with this, that means that like another major studio is going to be brought under the microsoft umbrella and i don't okay so one i'm not a huge xbox fan but also like there was a time in my life when i would have been a huge game pass booster and the reason why is because even though i don't own an xbox i do own a personal computer otherwise known as a pc and there is a version of game <laughs> there is a version of game pass for pc and it's actually really good i mean in a lot of ways one, it's just like it's a lot of new games that you only have to pay ten dollars a month for, and that's that's a pretty good deal, to be perfectly honest. Um, I got to play Halo Infinite as part of this, and because I would not have otherwise purchased Halo Infinite, I didn't like it, but I got to play a game that everyone else was playing and be like, Yeah, I played a new game. But the one thing that's really nice about Game Pass for me, since I play a lot of indie games, is that it sort of reduces the time that I have to spend like slogging through sites to find games to play. I mean, I, I enjoy the experience of being on itch.io and like finding weird student games, but it's nice to have a cura curated selection of indie games to, just sort of there to, to look at someone that is like actually gone through these things and said like, Hey, this is you know worth your time. Even if it's not necessarily like perfectly ideal for you. But the, okay, the experience of using Game Pass itself on the PC is miserable. Just absolutely miserable. And if you compare it to the other major platforms that you have for PC games, like the Epic Store and Steam and Geo... I mean, GOG is crap, but GOG is even better than this. 
the major way in which it's better is the fact that like I don't have to reinstall GOG every single time there's a Windows update. I do have to reinstall Xbox for PC every single time there's a Windows update. That's really annoying. Why is that? Because of the way, because this has always been true with Microsoft products, because Microsoft has always been about like integration and having everything built and like creating sort of like the one platform and like the one operating system to rule them all, like fucking Sauron and Mordor. (laughs) And so, but as a result, they don't do any of the pieces correctly. Like Internet Explorer is a terrible browser but it's fully integrated into microsoft windows like so like that's the thing is that they have all these things that are sort of like pushing towards integration and also with you know uh, I believe it was with Windows 7 and now also especially with Windows 10 and Windows 11, there was this move towards like having a unified operating system for all devices because they wanted to have, you know, Microsoft like tablets and Microsoft phones. No, I remember that was Windows 8 because I actually ended up trying okay, to develop eight. for Windows 8 uh, using Azure and their like cloud supported software. And I have to yeah. tell you that it was just it was almost impossible as a developer to use, especially for an independent developer to try to get any sort of app in it. And Windows 8 itself was just a terrible interface. Oh, yeah. Windows yeah. 8 was also just a bad operating system. I was in a Microsoft. So I actually was a part of the Microsoft Ventures project that they did for people in school. Um, I did that like my senior year or something while I was working on my thesis because I had all the free time in the world. Um, of course not. Uh, but all this to say that as I'm working on this project, we I think the most ironic thing that happened is we had one of the Microsoft presenters that was a spokesperson for Microsoft telling us how to use Azure and their presentation wasn't working. And they were like, hold on, let me just switch over to my Mac. <laughs> That's. <laughs> it was so perfect because they hopped off of the call and we're all sitting there and we're all muted. And I was like, do we laugh or do we do we just stop and then the the presentation like leader you know the person that's facilitating the facilitator right uh just didn't say anything it was just the best Uh, (laughs) just just moved on as if nothing had happened so that was my experience working with microsoft oh my god and that's what i'm talking about is that like it's just it's such a oh man like windows as a platform like microsoft platforms are they're, they work well enough, but when you, especially when you compare them to the alternatives, it's just like, why is this like the market dominate? Like, I mean, I know why it is. It has to do with capitalism and sort of like the way in which Bill Gates especially ran his company and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All sorts of reasons that have nothing to do with like the actual quality of the product. But my God, it is just such a terrible experience. So to have where are these? Yeah. So this terrible experience that you're having with Xbox Game Pass. So where exactly do you think that's going to like be affected by like the Blizzion takeover? Well, so here's the thing. So when you look at, okay, when when you look at a company that I think does console gameplay really well, which is Nintendo and also and also Sony does console gameplay really well. Like they're not trying to do 5,000 other things like Sony isn't developing an operating system they're also not trying to get into the mobile phone market they're not trying to develop like a hundred billion different forms of technology that they're all that they're trying to get to work together 
like for the most part, when it comes, I mean, Sony is a huge electronics company, but when it comes to developing the PlayStation, the PlayStation itself is essentially a walled garden. I mean, it uses the old like web 2.0 logic. It has its own ecosystem, its own framework. It works with all of the things that are designed for it. And that's it. I mean, that does mean that sort of like <sighs> Sony doesn't really have necessarily like a thing like I mean they do have a thing like Game Pass but it's crap it's not good. Well, I would say I really like PlayStation Plus. I have the I PlayStation don't. Plus and I get the games. I play multiplayer on PlayStation. So, I would actually say that I've never had Xbox Game Pass um until we got it for right for Adachi so that we could play different games together. Yeah. And I think that for me, I have always just outright like outright outright <laughs> bought games. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think that for me, PlayStation Plus has been amazing because the titles on there, while they're fewer, are more regular and more higher are higher quality, in my opinion. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm glad that think lots of things are on Xbox Game Pass, right? But I would say that for me, the PlayStation ecosystem, as well as it from a publishing standpoint, right? The publisher being Sony and then saying a studio like Sucker Punch or like Insomniac, right? Yeah. While they are directly working on Sony products... It's very interesting because we have Blizzard Activision already having a diversified portfolio, right? Diablo Immortal is a mobile game that is being done by Blizzard. Uh, yeah, but it's not mm, beloved. I mean, it, it's not. Doing I, well. I I don't know. It's not doing well, unfortunately. Maybe here. I think it's actually doing really well in China. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So Diablo Immortal was originally developed. I mean, they're not going to say this, and I am not going to say, you know, where I get my information, which is me. I, I am going to say this. Because um, to be fair, I actually haven't talked about this to anybody that I do know that works at Blizzard. So, ha, ha, ha. Diablo Immortal really is going to do well for the mobile gaming market, which is in America. It's going to be everywhere else in the world. One of the That's largest true, yeah. battle royales with over 80 billion downloads is um, Gun Guns Rise. I think that's what it's called. And it is the most popular battle royale in the world. That's not yeah. Fortnite. People who have heard of Fortnite from America are like, oh, that, that child game? Sorry, I play this real battle royale on my phone. Yeah, and I think that for me, like, when we look at the Microsoft uh, takeover, Blizzard is already a very diverse portfolio that is mainly for the PC. It is not for consoles. Mine and they've diversified right into mobile gaming with Diablo Immortal. So, I mean, there is a, there and is a question. their announcement, yeah. right? Their yeah. new game announcement came out this week, which I completely forgot about until right now. Yeah. Their yeah. new unannounced, announced, unannounced game. Yeah, yeah, the game that has literally like no content, nothing to show aside from like two drawings, like has no. Hey, but I don't know, Dragon Age Four <laughs> people. We got two drawings, and uh, we're great. We are. <laughs> yeah, but there are other Dragon Age games. Like, like that's true. There, there, there is nothing that precedes this new Blizzard property that just happened to appear when okay. there is a major like no, <laughs> employment scandal I, of the company. No, you definitely put something into it though, because there is the meme right with the Microsoft Windows background, and then you have the World of Warcraft classic archway. And every yeah, time yeah. I see that meme, I just hear dun 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 dun, but like in World <laughs> of Warcraft orchestra, and I'm just like, no, right? And I think you're kind of going onto that fear of like. From like the right that that's a consumption standpoint at fear of Microsoft Studios, right? Their gaming, like uh, 
I know like Microsoft's an umbrella and one of those, yeah. right, uh, drops off the umbrella I mean, or whatever it's called. I, we, we, could, we could talk more specifically about sort of like the Xbox piece of Microsoft, even though, like I said, there is the integration right. problem. But I would say that Xbox isn't actually like they're not the ones that um, have bought Blizzard Activision, right? That's Microsoft yeah. has bought yeah, Blizzard Activision, right? Yes. And Blizzard Activision... I don't know, almost being like the publisher of it. It's just interesting because Blizzard is a development studio. And I think that's yeah. kind of the crux here is that there is a lot of talk of maybe like on the consumer level that Microsoft is changing the way Blizzard is going to make games. But I think that's, un that's unfair, right? I don't know. I think, so this is me, all speculation is worthless. It's it's a mugs game. Um, however, right. I mean, one of the thing, one of the major differences is that sort of like, Microsoft primarily develops for console with PC also in mind at the same time, but they're generally developing primarily for console because they make a console. So that makes sense. Um, Blizzard doesn't really develop, or at least up to now, with the exception of like Call of Duty, you know, Raven, which primarily, which we will get into, which does all of the Call of Duty games now. Um, primarily develops for pc i mean blizzard definitely like 100 percent develops for pc they don't yeah really blizzard is awesome. currently 100 percent for it and blizzard activision is hard because blizzard is not activision yeah they are there is kind of a firewall between the there, two there's them. there's a it's a pretty big firewall it's yeah. a pretty big big firewall minus like upper ceo management yes right but on the development floor right like blizzard employees do not work on yeah, and so the thing is, like, when you look at sort of like the the major franchises that historically have been a huge success for the Activision side, I mean, sort of like you know your Guitar Heroes, your Call of Duties, like those were primarily console games, and so they had a console focus. Whereas the the Blizz side of the equation is the opposite. So then the question, I think, on a lot of people's minds is that with this, so what? Mike, so what is so we actually we haven't answered the question. What? Why did Microsoft purchase this? Like, why did this happen? Like Microsoft is not necessarily buying studios. They're not buying, they're not purchasing. Like they don't really need to have the employees. Like what they're buying are IPs because strangely enough, what is going on with Activision Blizzard is similar to sort of, you know, the recent uh, acquisition of like the Candy Crush IP. They're trying to acquire like well-established intellectual properties that bizarrely, now Microsoft can do to those IPs what Activision Blizzard did to the IPs that that Activision acquired. So this is that was actually like so, Bobby Kotick's stock and trade was to essentially like acquire IPs and like wring the crap out of them. Like that's that was his whole deal. For which could you just kind of repeat that? Because I think okay. you're kind of landing on an argument that okay, I so, want <clears throat> to argue against, I guess. Okay, so Bobby or for we'll see. <laughs> Bobby Kotick's MO, and he was very open about this. In fact, I, ha I have sources, so I'll just go to the sources. So in 2000, what it, well, let's see, this is from a GameSpot, sorry, not a GameSpot, uh, yeah, a GameSpot article from 2010, and it's covering um, a, a Deutsche Bank conference, Deutsche Bank Securities Technology Conference, in which uh, Kotick gave a, a talk. And at the, the Q&A of this talk, um, you know, some securities analyst came and asked this, this. Okay, I'll just read the question. So what do you think the retailer's willingness these days is to hold inventory on the video game side? Are they building positions? So he's asking a question about sort of like market position. But this was Codex response. 
Um, he said, sorry, the question, are they building positions today? Or are they still very reluctant and very careful of how they are buying? The context for this, by the way, is the global financial crisis. Um, and Kodak says, I don't think it is specific to video games. I think that if you look at how much volatility there is in the economy and dependent upon a review about macroeconomic picture, and I think we have a real culture of thrift, meaning at Activision Blizzard. And I think that the goal that I had in bringing a lot of the packaged good folks that we brought into Activision 10 years ago was to take all of the fun out of making video games. I think we definitely have been able to instill the culture, the skepticism and pessimism and fear that we should have in an economy like we are in today. And so while generally people talk about the recession, we are pretty good at keeping people focused on the deep depression. So from his perspective, Honestly, the fact that Activision makes games is irrelevant because for him, it's about the way in which you approach your market position and instilling in your employees the same kind of thinking about the products. In other words, it, earlier in the, in the same talk, he actually went on to say how proud he was of the fact that like when... Activision acquired Blizzard, like, you know, he would have all of these directors and studio heads who had never thought about a spreadsheet a day in their life and now are all of a sudden like doing all of the dumb economic speak. He was proud of that. He was proud of the fact that he had taken creative individuals and essentially turned them into economists. And so like that's the thing that that Activision did to the various studios that it acquired, and especially when it acquired Blizzard from Vivendi. So what I'm trying to argue is that I believe that Microsoft is now essentially doing this to Actabliz. Okay, awesome, great. I think we're on the same point, but I wanted to highlight not just that, the discussions that you're having potentially now, right? And okay, one, that was a very heavy quote and we should actually <laughs> let everybody kind of sit on that. <laughs> yeah. Coming back, because I had to sit on it for a little bit while I'm listening to Lickless. So we're just gonna, whoo. Where they were going to be going to be a little bit more lighthearted and talk about how, yeah, Lauren, a creative individual, had to go into spreadsheets for everything. Yay. <laughs> okay. um, and no, that's not why you hire producers. Okay. You no. do not hire producers just to do more spreadsheets. No. Boo. Well, Bobby Kodak did. <laughs> yeah, but Bobby Kodak did. Don't be him. Um, all right. But something that everybody, like, we're kind of swathing over is we're swathing over all of the other companies that Microsoft owns. Yeah. And all the other companies Microsoft has acquired this way. So Activision, yeah. yep, acquired Blizzard and did that to Blizzard. And what has happened since then? That is right, this growing kind of consumer sentiment of we know and recognize that fear. That's why he acquired Blizzard, right? Yeah. Is to make an economy of games. Yeah. Now we're getting into what I like to talk about, which is the monopoly of games, right? Yeah. It's about monopolizing and controlling the market so that you constantly have this sort of drip feed tactic to the consumers for what they need and what they want to expect. Yeah. This comes into say something like Skyrim, for example, which is owned by Bethesda, but Bethesda is actually already part of an umbrella corporation known as Zenimax Media. Yep. Zenimax is most well known for every single game that has come out of Texas because every game company, including <laughs> id software, so Doom, Wolfenstein, yep. Borderlands, yep. Arcane Studios, Dishonored, yep. Skyrim, right? Yep. Fallout. All of those are in the Zenimax umbrella. Zenimax itself has a clause, or did at the time Zenimax Online, had a clause where if you worked for Arcane, within the next three years of leaving Arcane, you were not able to work for any other Zenimax corporation because they didn't want any competition between it. 
Additionally, you also weren't allowed to leave the studio and start a company or make games with any of the fellow employees that you have worked with at any ZeniMax. That includes Bethesda not only in Maryland, but in Texas and North Carolina. It also includes all of the Arcane Studios from around the world because ZeniMax acquired Arcane. And you know Arcane Studios is also in France. Yes. Now, I don't think that would actually work in France. So I'm sure France has different laws. But in the United States and in Texas, which is an at-will state and an at-will company, when I was looking at getting into the games industry, all of a sudden, all of the companies that were under the ZeniMax umbrella because of that clause no longer made me think of applying to those companies. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds weird because it was my first job. And I'm yes, I looked at those companies. <laughs> but what else has Microsoft acquired? Obsidian. Yeah. Microsoft has Obsidian. Yeah. Right. Uh, Microsoft also actually has GitHub. Yep. Right. So Microsoft has GitHub now. Oh, okay. Now we're kind of getting into right even bigger. They also actually acquired Ninja Theory and they acquired Undead Labs, which they've had Undead Labs for a very long time. Yes. That's a state of decay. And they also acquired Forza Horizon. Yes. Ninja Theory is or did the one of the uh, Devil May Cry reboots. Yeah. So. I am bringing this up because the reason why ZeniMax made the news was because of Skyrim, right? Yes. But they were only valued at, I think, $7 billion or something like that. Activision Blizzard made the cut because Blizzard had already been bought by Activision, and now Active Blizzard is being bought by Microsoft for, like, the $69 billion. It was actually $68.7 billion. Okay, so it's not the number. Thanks. It's thank not you. the number, not actually. The number, not nope, the number, not nice. <laughs> but I think what's interesting about this is you look at all of the things that Microsoft has acquired, and then we start talking about a monopoly. But yeah. I think it's hitting on the reason why it's hitting on it is because you already have to develop on a Microsoft operating system. It's just easier. You're able to port from yeah. the Microsoft OS to a iOS or Mac operating system. Most game developers operate on either a PC. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you also have to have, I mean, Microsoft Word, right? They do so much of the software for Word or PowerPoint or Excel, spreadsheets. Like what I'm getting at is Microsoft is already so much in our lives. Unlike Sony, right? We don't have a Sony operating system on our desks, right? No. We don't have a Sony phone anymore, unfortunately. Sony Ericsson, yeah. I miss you. Um, no. <laughs> do you remember when the Xperia came out? I was like so looking uh, forward to that. Um, anyway, love to get you I, a BlackBerry uh, so that way you can be. No, <laughs> only the Sony version of the BlackBerry. Um, no, and I think that that's what that's what we talk about when we talk about monopolies in the United States. Is monopolies are a company that owns the market in in a huge way, and the way they get around owning the market is by saying they well they're doing games, but they're doing operating systems. But we're not arguing about Sony creating a monopoly when it starts buying out all these indie studios, right? Yeah, I mean, we, well, sorry, I mean, I mean, I think as in so my yeah, argument yeah. is that this is actually a little bit more psychological and at the consumer level than I think it actually is practically. Because while I do agree that the monopolization of game development is happening. It's very curious to me that it's happening when we see the large amounts of money that go to acquire another studio, point yeah. A. Yeah, and yeah. point B, it's with Microsoft, which is so entrenched in our daily lives for everybody, right? Like non-gamers, like my grandma knows who Microsoft is, yes. right? And so many people have Macs and then boot camp it for microsoft os for whatever reason because things won't work on the mac right yeah so it's not just right point a the value of money 
Is point B the global presence of Microsoft in the daily lives, right? That leads to point C, making the argument for the monopoly that was otherwise hidden from the basic consumer. True, but I think that, okay, so there's an immediate comparison that comes to mind. I agree with you that it is a little bit like... Microsoft is really easy to perceive as like the evil bad guy because historically they have been the evil bad guy. And Microsoft has also been subject to, I mean, probably the only significant um, anti-monopoly lawsuit, the only Sherman Act lawsuit that I can think of that significantly hit a um, software developer. And it's arguably that it, it's arguable that it didn't really hit Microsoft. Yeah. And hard. I'm not trying to paint Microsoft as the bad guy because but, so many people in game dev have worked for Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> so <but> the thing <laughs> is for like, the reason of them yeah. owning all the companies. Plus like, I mean, if we're going to get into like, you know, the, the evilness of software developers, then we kind of have to go into all of them, but that's not my point. My point is sort of the one about like the sort of the overlord, the, the like the Sauron of integration and the reason why this is important is because you can actually make a comparison to another like ecosystem of not really a monopoly, but sort of an ecosystem of integration. And that's definitely with Apple, because, you know, the way in which sort of like, you know, iOS is integrated with the Apple Store is integrated with their hardware, their software. <clears throat> and also the fact that generally speaking, when it comes to sort of like software for various creative endeavors, particularly when it comes to like audio editing and video editing, like. Apple products are generally just better for it. And as, <laughs> as as Lauren's funny story earlier made very clear, like oftentimes Apple products are just kind of more reliable. Also, Apple did actually make inroads into the mobile ecosystem and they did it effectively. They have the much better tablet system. They have the much better um, back end for those tablets. They have the much better back end for the mobile market. And so as a result, like, it all works well there in a way. And this is why I focused on my personal user experience with Game Pass is because that's my fear is that like with this sort of like blob that Microsoft is and the way in which they sort of very ham-fistedly approach integration across multiple platforms, across multiple devices, and the fact that they just generally don't do it very well. Like to me, it makes me sad that a historical studio, which I re realized has, was hollowed out a long time ago, but I have personal affection for. I love Blizzard games. I have always loved Blizzard games. I even like a lot of Activision games. I actually really loved the Guitar Hero games. I thought they were really great. To center, to see a situation in which like a storied studio first gutted itself, like you know a Samurai's Retainer. And then after gutting itself as it's like intestines are spilling onto the floor, it's like $68.7 billion, please. And then sort of like the demon overlord of all software development comes along like lumbering, like I will eat Blizz, And then it does. And then, you know, Apple is sitting over there and you're like smoking a cigarette, just going, okay, whatever guys, <laughs> do your thing. Like it's Apple really, Apple is really, the smoker on the balcony. It's really frustrating going, for okay, me. Okay, gendarme, you keep that up. <laughs> but that's the thing is that, but from like the, 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 the user experience from the player experience, like I fear the, like the, the pervasive crappiness that is going to result from all of this. Like that's my sort of underlying fear, not the like high level, uh, I mean, I find the macroeconomic stuff really interesting and I, I really do love shitting on Bobby Kotick. However, 
like the fear, the fundamental fear that I have is like that for me, they're like, <laughs> I mean, Battle.net is also not a great, you know, system. However, it at least was functional in a way that for me personally, Game Pass is not. And I don't look forward to having to play like Hearthstone on on Game Pass. There you go. <laughs> I don't look forward to that. Well, I will say if we go even further into the microeconomics of the situation, right? And I think from the development standpoint, I don't think much is going to change at the development side of things. So at least at the at Probably least for not, Blizzard, no. yeah, I, yeah. I can't speak for Activision. Um, but but I really don't think much is gonna change. And it's it's both very sad to say that and also very happy to say that, right? I think that before the Activision Blizzard stuff came out last August or last June or something, um, last, last summer, year. last year, last year, okay, yeah. last year, I think that a lot of people were like, things need to change at the production level, they need to change at the leadership level, and yes. more and more and more and more just came out, right? Yeah. And so I think that had more of an impact on the development of games at Blizzard and the perception of Blizzard, right, in modern media than and an Activision at large, than I think, say, Microsoft acquiring it, right? Which is yeah. good. That's good news, right? Now, the bad news, though, is that those policies are going to take a lot of time. Yes. And just like after, right, riots, games, also th like lawsuit that happened a couple years ago. Two years maybe ago, now, two, I think, yeah. Yeah, a couple, maybe two, two or three was, years ago. Who years knows? Um, a lot of the back, a lot of the positions, right, that people had had to have left or right, no longer felt safe, so they ended up leaving. Were right asked to leave, right? Are now undergoing Riot Games as right a much better place to work. So I think that Blizzard is also kind of trending that way. This is at the micro level, right? The human, like kind of the yeah, human yeah. individual level. Right. But Microsoft buying Blizzard is not going to change the types of games that Blizzard are making. And I think what's kind of interesting and strange to me is that when they did the unannounced announcing the unannounced <laughs> project <laughs> for the survival game. Right. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of laugh because it feels like it was supposed to be timed around Microsoft buying them and go. But look, Blizzard's still working on things for Blizzard. Yeah. And I think it kind of did a little bit of that. But I know everybody in my like, you know, friend group when I you know, posted it, I was just like, everyone's face was just, oh, like, oh, it's a survival game. What, what yeah. is that going to be, right? Because you didn't, they didn't do a large opening for it. And you could tell that Blizzard had Blizzard owned that announcement, okay, yeah. would not have done that. Whenever Blizzard announces something, yeah. it's BlizzCon level, right? It's BlizzCon 5. It's like, up to the max, this is going to be the best experience yeah. of your life, right? Here's this really flashy, well-polished cinematic. Yeah. And so that's kind of the level that I would expect of change. I would expect more of the marketing and more of the Microsoft, like, hey, we need to show the public a good face. Yeah. Even if it's two concept images that the art director had to be strangled to say we're okay to show on a public <laughs> media site. So, right? yeah, I mean, okay. I've been so that, that's at the very yeah. micro level. Yeah, yeah. I've been very doomy gloomy this episode. So I, I kind of want... You have been very doomy gloomy. I'm, I apologize. So I'm going to sort of like bring it back around on a somewhat more positive note. I'm going to start from a doomy gloomy place, but I'm going to bring it back to somewhere bring else. It up, bring it up. So bring we, us down. Build us back up. <laughs> so we mentioned it. So Lauren mentioned at the beginning of the episode the, the situation with um, uh, Raven, which is, uh, well, it's owned by, well, I mean, it's part of Activision. But they're primarily responsible for making the Call of Duty games. And recently, the um, 
the QA side of Raven decided to um, submit a petition to the National Labor Relations Board for um, a union vote. And there's some messiness involved with that. And, you know, there's going to be the usual, like, you know, union busting and all of the, the shenanigans that companies pull in those scenarios. But the thing that really made me hopeful about this is that when because of all of the the crap that happened specifically on the Blizzard side last year, the people who work at Blizzard set up the infrastructure amongst themselves to communicate with each other about their employment situation and to have just basic solidarity with one another. And what that meant is that when this situation most recently arose with Raven, people in Blizzard, in the Blizzard side of the firewall, were able to act in solidarity with them and support them because they had established this infrastructure for themselves and were now able to pass it on to not necessarily their colleagues, but definitely people that they sympathized with, that they felt some camaraderie with, that they felt basic solidarity with. And so I think what's interesting is that out of the crappiness of all of this and all of my fear and my anxiety about things that will happen, it's really interesting that because of this crisis, it also means that something very positive for game developers themselves may in fact result. And so it's to, to I guess, put like a nice stamp on this. This is actually a fundamental contradiction that Mark, I actually said I wasn't going to talk about Marx, but now I'm going to talk about Marx. This is something that Marx- I knew we were talking about Marx as soon as you had said capitalism, <laughs> yeah, yeah. economy, <laughs> a monopoly, okay, and so, platform integration. Yeah, and that that was, those are the so key one, words. One of the things that Marx talks about is sort of the fundamental contradiction inherent in capitalism that capital, like, Capitalists have to bring people together in a shared space in order to exploit their labor. But the very fact that capital has to do that means that people now have the means to engage in resistance against their exploitation because they have been brought together. And that is precisely what we have seen at Activision Blizzard. The fact that like these terrible form of hideous harassment and abuse brought all of these people together so that they could actually advocate for themselves and maybe have some kind of like, I don't know, grassroots democracy within their company. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe it will. But I do actually genuinely have hope for that. So Lauren, do you want to leave our, our fine listeners the freeloaders <laughs> with any no, thoughts? No, we are not. I was about to say, you cannot call anybody that Mr. Marks. All right. Yeah, no, I shouldn't do that. No, no, no. I think it's true, right? You know, that communism exists solely because of the capitalistic economic market that allows for the exploitations of a workforce. Um, now, that being said, <laughs> um, I do think that there is so much hope out of this that when you have a monopoly and a game development of scale yeah. that you are also going to have the same level of scale in the workers, right? And I want us to kind of come to something that is very outside of games with General Electric, is that many of you know General Electric as, I don't know what, your washing machine company, your dish, like dishwashers, your any electronics, your actually secretly makes every sort of appliance known to mankind in every single like they even make wind turbines. Yeah, they make wind turbines. They make wind turbines, right? Yeah. Uh, they make the parts for Boeing airplanes. So that, that's what I'm saying is that General Electric, I think, also has a union, right? It has it has so many. Yes, it is unionized. I it believe. is unionized, right? When you have something that is so fundamentally integrated into 
every single part of a technology of the world, right? That scale of worker means that it needs to be unionized, right? That there needs to be worker protection because now you're not talking about the scale of one development studio. You are talking about the economy of several thousand studios and several hundreds of thousands of workers, yeah. right? And this is not... Pre there is no precedent for this in game development. No, it isn't. Not, no. And so I think that we should end on a very hopeful note right now because what is going on at Raven and we stand with the Raven. I, well, I have solidarity. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am actually a member of a union. I have been a member of several yes. unions. You're throwing me under the freaking bus here. We are both in solidarity with all we workers both in of the solidarity. world everywhere. With all workers of the world everywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, and on that note, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us again. Um, to get more of our uh, roasting each other on this podcast, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, where we actually go further into detail into the subjects that we talk about here on air today. So we look forward to seeing you there and having your own theories with us or sharing your support and solidarity on Twitter at Furudashapod. And we'll see you next time. Bye.